Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today on the show, we have Sean Castrina. Sean is a serial entrepreneur, having started more than 20 companies over the last 20 years, and he still seeks to launch a new venture annually. How about that? He's an investor, a teacher, and a highly sought-after speaker who communicates with humor and bluntness that engages and captures his audience. If you want to know what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, then this is absolutely the show for you. Let's get started. G'day everyone, I trust that you're well and things are safe in your part of the world in these crazy times. Things are semi-normal here in Sydney, although the same can't be said for other parts of Australia. And I think we've still got a little while to go before we're on the other side of this pandemic madness, but uh, people are hanging in there, which is the most important thing. And make sure you reach out to your friends and family that might be a little bit isolated after a prolonged period of time because I know it can really start to grind on you and grate on you after a little while as well. I've been working on lots of new podcast interviews, which has been great fun. And I've been helping plenty of new students with their questions about the Go All In Masterclass, which has been a real bunch of fun as well. Now, more than any time in history, you need to get a competitive edge and the Go All In Masterclass will give you everything that you need to truly master your mind and go all in. And I invite you to come on over and find out some more, more at goallin.com com.au forward slash masterclass. That's goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. Now, if this is your first time here at the show, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here on the Goal In podcast. Before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button there. That way uh, you're not going to miss anything that's put out on YouTube and you'll always have some motivation and some golly love right there in your pocket on your phone. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and your family. Sean has a important message to share and he's got a pretty epic story as well. And if we can help just one person to break through their barriers and to get unstuck, then I think Sean and I would have done our job here on the show today. Alrighty, let's get into this. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Sean Castorina is a serial entrepreneur and he started more than 20 companies over the last 20 years. Sean's also the author of several books, including Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success, The Greatest Entrepreneur in the World, and The World's Greatest Business Plan. Sean's regularly featured in the media and he's a passionate podcaster with his own show called 10 Minute Entrepreneur, which is a show designed to be really fast paced with both practical and tactical tips that any entrepreneur can implement right away. Sean has shared the stage with people and the likes of Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, and many, many more. And he's now here on the Go All In podcast. I'm excited he's here. So please help me in welcoming Sean. Castorina. Sean Castorina, welcome to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. Great to be here. All right. Before we uh, get into this, I'm excited about this show because entrepreneurship is something near and dear to my heart, and I'm looking forward to getting into that today and learning more about what it is that you do and how you help other people. But before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you share with the audience where you're from and where it all started for you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was a very good high school athlete. I was a high school state wrestling champion, played soccer, tennis, but I was a wrestler and wrestling is great for if you're in business because business is a 
con you know it's it's competitive and um yeah. so it's it's the perfect setup for that wrestled division one in college got an athletic scholarship uh left college got married went to grad school had my dream job got let go from my dream job during a uh a, a you know a change in leadership and what was the dream job yeah, I was working for a nonprofit in DC. It was funny because it was like the place to work. And and at a college, instead of trying to work my way up the ladder, I just called their CEO and agreed to work for 90 days for free. <laughs> you know, I always bet on myself. And I went there and, and it was great. I did a great job. And the CEO, when he retired, and then the new team came in, I was like, go, he actually ended up being a friend of mine until he passed away. And, and the person that I directly worked for was in my wedding and he actually lives like 10 miles up the road. One of my closest friends, his son was one of my business partners. So in the end it all worked out, but um, I just know that, you know, when you, you know, I had my dream job and then boom, I realized that being an employee, you, you know, it can end at any time. Yeah. Right. And you discovered that early on in your career because you're not long yes. out of college and just kind of getting off, getting going with your career, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 25 years old and then boom. And is that how you got into business and starting your yes. own stuff and kicking it off? What was the first one? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, when I lost my job, I, I was newly married, just had a child, just had a new house. So you got to make money. So I started selling insurance, which is like an easy thing to sell if you have any pretty good speaking skills. You know, it's, it's not really hard to do. But when I went to our staff meetings, we had staff meeting once a week, you know, in the, like the first three months I was there, you know, everybody there made pretty good money. So everybody had really nice cars. And I, and this was before there was a car wash every block. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, it'd be great if I could get my car cleaned, like while I'm at this meeting, because there was never time to do it any other time. Again, I am not a laboring guy. I'm, I have the softest hand you'll ever meet. So it's going to tie into all these stories. But so I started a detailing company called Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. America's Choice in Mobile Detailing was a tagline phone number, 888-WE-DETAIL, 9333824. I understood branding right away. Love it. I made $30,000 passive income without ever doing anything. I just set the company up, the logo, the brand I created. The advertising at the time, which was direct mail, I did a 50-50 split with the laborer and you know, I made 30 grand while doing nothing. And that's when I knew that I could rinse and repeat this with any other you know, service companies. I just needed something people wanted. I knew I could make the phone ring. I knew if I hired the talent, I could do this type of spread with anybody because most workers don't know how to keep themselves busy. Mm. They know how to do the work, but they don't know how to make the phone ring. That's why construction workers and handymen, all that, they're busy, you know, during the busy time, then they starve over the, over the summer. So yeah, that kind of got me going. And then, you know, I, I one, you know, cause I was good at marketing. Then I started my own direct mail magazine and I had that in 23 cities and that did more. We went to more homes than the Sunday Washington post sold that in 2008. Um, because I had started a service company in 2000 that ended up turning into a multi-million dollar company that I still own. And it's funny because my three founding companies all still exist. Not that I own them all yet, but that Waxmaster company I sold still exists. My wife actually sent me a photo at a traffic light a few months ago of it. <laughs> Same logo, everything. My magazine that I sold still exists in the area that I live in. And the company that I started in 2000 a home service company is now morphed into eight companies and, and that still exists. So yeah, that's kind of my, my story. 
You, you said you never washed a car. Did you ever, did you ever get your hands dirty with that first never, business? Ne- no, you know, and, and I kind of picked up that early, like even in high school, I used to remember when I, I was mowing grasses and, um, and I kind of figured this out. Like somebody, a neighbor would pay me $5 to mow grass and I could get like a junior high school kid to do it for three. <laughs> and so I knew then that I would rather make, you know, 40% and do nothing to make a hundred percent and do everything. So I, I quick, I mean, I always kind of had just a general idea that working hard, my dad was a hard worker. So if working hard made you rich, my dad would be the richest guy in the world. Yeah. I was going to say, did your parents influence you there or was it just out of do the opposite? I love them. And, but do the opposite of, because he, he worked nonstop. And, but the problem is when you trade your, you know, time for money, it's, it's a finite amount. You get paid, you know, no matter what it is, it's, you know, it's, it's fairly fixed for, you know, about 80% of people, you know, it's, it's a livable wage and maybe a touch more. I, I had a very similar experience in my first business when I, uh, when I first left the military, I left with a couple of mates of mine and uh, we had like an electrical contracting company. And at the time there was a little loophole in some of the laws here in New South Wales that allowed us to kind of go in there and encroach and, and get in there. And the New South Wales government was waving a really big stick at businesses saying, if you don't comply with this particular regulation, we're going to come down on you and we've got a bunch of inspectors and we're going to come and find you and you've got no choice. And it was about electrical safety in the workplace because there was a lot of workplace injuries and people getting electrocuted and and unfortunately um, dying as a result of those things. And so what we did is we went and did all the courses and we went and uh, told all these businesses about it and said, did you know that this is what was going on? So essentially the business was like a it's a little bit like what you said. It's a marketing agency where we're going out there telling people about it and they're saying, yes, we want it. And then all of a sudden we had this problem of human resources and trying to fulfill on the problem and trying to get people. And I was, I can remember sitting back in the office in North Sydney thinking, we got it, we got it. This is going to work. It's working. And I was really excited by it, but then realizing that somebody had to manage the people and the people was the critical part of it. You know, we could have all of the inbound sales in the world and it didn't matter, but unless you had the team and the people to support uh, the, the actual sales, the whole thing yeah. was all for nothing. You know, what was your experience like when you kind of good at marketing, you getting the inbound, yeah. you have good HR. Yeah. I mean the key, the key, I, you know, whether it's HR, I'm good at hiring. I always say I have like a few superpowers, identifying, Hiring and retaining talent is one of those. Mm. So, you know, even in my 20s, I had the ability to get people in their 40s to come on board. And, and I'd always ask, like, like I, you know, because I partnered with amazing people and we built incredible companies, but it's not like I could pay them well in the beginning. And I, and I you know, I, we always have a big Christmas dinner and I always say to my wife on the way there, I'm, I'm blown away by the talent and the level of people that's going to be in the room tonight. You know, the people that we I've, you know, I've partnered with in business and these are tradi- these are just businesses. This isn't online businesses or multi-level marketing or any of that. I mean, these are real life businesses with paychecks and employees. And I, I've asked them, you know, why did you do it? And they go, Sean, you just have one of those, when you talk to you, you just know you're going to get it done. Mm. They go, I just knew that you were going to make the business work, mm. that you yes. had the energy and the you know, I knew you'd get it off the ground and I knew if you could get it off the ground, I could help you run it. They go, I knew I couldn't get it off the ground, but I knew you could get it off the ground. So I was willing to be on the journey and take it once you did. Mm. And so I think that they understand that. 
such a critical piece to get their buy-in from the employee perspective. And even when the business is up and running and it's going, you know, the, the new hire that you have must be, uh, must be on point. Otherwise they're going to cost you a whole bunch of money in training and, and all that type of thing only for them to walk out the door three or four months later. That's yeah. that re- retention is a, is a real sticking point in business as well. Right. Absolutely. I think the biggest problem with small businesses is I always say there's like a Bermuda triangle of why startups fail First one is the, the startup founder falls so in love with their idea that they don't test it. They don't open it up to criticism. So they start a business that nobody is, ends up being interested in. Second thing is, is that they don't understand marketing. So they don't know how to acquire customers. But the third thing where they really get crushed is they have bad staff. Mm. They, hire, they hire friends and family. And it's just a kiss of death move. I mean, my mom works for me part-time. My mom's 75. But bless her heart, she knows I'd fire if she didn't do her job. I mean, I'll tell you that she would absolutely. Now, thankfully she does a great job. A few days she comes in, she does thank you letters to all our, our yeah. clients. Cause I like handwritten letters. Yeah. Beautiful. She has great handwriting. So, but, but the point is you got to build getting staff is critical. Your ability to recruit and retain staff. That's the one thing that's so important. And everybody thinks, well, you just got to pay people. Well, money is like, I, I've written it down. I don't know if I can rip off the the nine, but I found that there's like nine things that keep people around mm-hmm. and everybody has a different lever. And if, and money is just like one of them, it's like flexibility of schedule. Like mm-hmm. I, I had a, a lady work for me, love riding horses. So when daylight savings time came in, I let her off an hour early. Uh, you know, I have people that, or they want, to, they want to be able to get their kids off in the morning on the bus and get them off, you know, be there when they get off. At the end of the day, you got people that want a seat at the table. You want them to manage something. They want to. They want to be a part of the goal. They want to be a part of setting up the goals and what are we trying to achieve. They want to be in on that granular part. You got some people that'll never stay with you unless you make them an owner, mm. and unless you want to fight them as a competitor, you got to bring them on as a partner. You know, you have all. There's so many different things that bring. They want a culture. Some people are just fanatic. You know, like the Nordstrom thing. They <laughs> want to be a part of like that. I feel good team. Some people want to be part of a company that has a great philanthropic effort. Mm. So, you know, they have a value statement that really ties in with what they believe in. It's, it's never money. And I figured that out early and I was a psychology, you know, went to college for psychology and I, and people say, did you go for business? I go, no, but I think psychology helped me more Mm. because I figured out early how to pull the levers and, and retain talent. Yeah, fantastic, and and great, great tips there, and a good reminder that money is uh, is the tool, not necessarily the motivator. And money is something that kind of gets people interested and gets their attention, but it's yeah. always the conditions that kind of help people be retained. And that's been my experience, very similar to yours there as well. I want to just put a pin in it there yeah. for a, for a moment, Sean, and and ask you the signature podcasting question, yeah. and then come on back to all of this stuff. Um, Because I know that with your level of experience, you've you've got a story to tell. People come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, Sean, can you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Like, I'm going to understand your question. Great. So like a biggest goal that I've set or, Mm -hmm. or help me understand the question. Just what's the, what, what's the, you got, you're standing, you're standing on the, on the precipice, you're on the very edge of it and you've got to make a decision. Like I've got to go all in on this thing or I'm not. And it feels like a risk or proposition, like an all or nothing proposition. Is there, 
there must have been a bunch of times that you've done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in my business, when I, I, I remember I was dry, the I own a home service company that has eight companies. But when I started, it was just a small little handyman company because I couldn't get anybody to do repairs. It's since turned itself into makes me millions and millions of dollars. But where I, there was two all in moments I had. One is I was driving down the road coming home one day and I saw a piece of property for sale and it was snowing and I pulled over and took the for sale sign and laid it underneath the snow so nobody else could see it. I thought it was an incredible location that got so much traffic that I'm like, if I buy this, I understood marketing. I said, this is like owning, you know, like a radio station. <laughs> That's how much traffic was on this street. It was incredible. Yeah. You almost had to do a little turn to slow down. So I pictured how the sign would be there and nobody buys a building for a handyman company. I mean, that would be, you know, crazy, but I kind of did the math, what I would be spending on marketing, what it would be worth in just pure marketing. So I said, I'm going to pay with it out of my marketing budget. Well, that was, you know, I did that in 2004 and that one decision made me millions and millions of dollars. And that was a total all in trying to get a bank to loan a handyman company, you know, $300,000. The building was condemned. Oh, so they really loaning me the money, but they were taking my word that I could fix it up. But because I had a company that was slightly in that area, they kind of trusted me. But yeah, that was, that was an all in move. And then the other one was in that same company. I can't put together a three-piece birdhouse. I don't know anything about, you know, when you think of construction, it's funny. I'm just a totally a numbers guy and I'm good at staffing and marketing. But because I knew that going in, like our first three months went crazy. I mean, people were loved, were, the phone was ringing off the hook. So I knew I had to get somebody in the office that understood construction. So... I bought a painting company. He was in my magazine. He was a client in my magazine and I liked the guy. And I was like, listen, let me, I'd like to buy your painting company. He had kept always talking about moving to Florida. Mm. He was like 40 years old at the time. So I bought his painting company. But then the next day I went to his house and asked him to be my partner in my company. I said, listen, I'm going to give you back your company. <laughs> and I want you to run my company with it. I'll give you, I'll split the profit 50-50 of both companies. Mm -hmm. How can he lose that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. want your money. You can actually yeah. have your money back. Mm. I, I bought it because I, I wanted you. And I said, this shows you how much I wanted you, that I'm willing to buy your company. Don't go to Florida. I said, get that for sale sign out of the yard. I said, let's build a million dollar company. And we did. So that was two all in moves. So take me through the, the process when you're looking at that property there and a condemned building as well. And you, you've got to, I have these ideas all the time. You know, you say that you're, you're really good at identifying your genius and stuff like yeah. that. I have these genius ideas all the time, like everybody, everybody yeah. does. And often I follow through them on them and, and see where it takes me. Sometimes I don't. I just kind of leave them as ideas because that's where they belong, right? I've learned yeah. that in my life as well. Yeah. It is fun to follow through something in business when you're positioned correctly and you're set up for success and it's like, okay, well, I've got to make a decision. I've got to do something. I've got to have a crack at this. And if it pays off, the, the payoff is so much bigger than the risk that I'm taking. And I'm pretty methodical in the way that I make decisions these days. But as a younger guy in business, I was just shooting from the hip. I was just yeah. going, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just have a go at it and see what happens. Is that how you made that decision to buy that property? Or yeah, was it pre-35. Pre yeah, I think pre-35, I, I, I always figured I could recover. <laughs> you know, now, I would never put more than 10% of my 
my assets at risk. Way more conservative. So yeah, I think when you hit 50, you, you gotta, you don't have the time to recover. And I've seen a lot of people screw up in their fifties and sixties on a really dumb business decision, a d- dumb, you know, business decision or investment for that matter. So yeah, 35, I felt like I could recover from anything, you know, and, and now I'd, I'd probably look at that a touch differently. So if we've got a younger audience listening in and they're thinking about committing to it, would you say, just go for it, don't worry, you're sub 35, you're good to go? <laughs> I think that this is what I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll probably regret not doing it more than doing it if it fails. I've had things that fail. You always recover from a failure under 35. You just do. It, it, it sucks. It's expensive, but you'll, you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you really will. And I've had some, some humdingers so, of mistakes. I wanted to, I wanted to share a, a couple of those experiences of, that I've had and, and see if you've had something similar, you know, because we're from opposite ends of the planet and very similar yeah. cultures, you know, American versus Australian, very similar cultures yeah. and values as well. And for, for me, the things in business have it that haven't worked out have usually been the relationships. Um, sometimes it's a bad decision that's cost you a little bit of money or there's a legal problem or something like that. But for for me, it's been relationships that haven't worked out. And I I sort of look back at that and think maybe I'm the common denominator there, which I am, and maybe it's me. And I'm wondering, uh, is that, has that been true for you as well in business and the things that haven't worked out? Has it been tenuous relationships that have caused you to go, you know what, I just, I don't need this in my life. You know, I, I, I'm a pretty good judge of partners. So that hasn't been only one time, but I will say the one time cost me the most of all the failures. Mm. So the one time I partnered with somebody that I did not vet, I really didn't look into their background. It was, man, when you wake up and you realize you've partnered with the devil (laughs) and I'm being serious, I'm being straight up, you know, that is a horrifying feeling that you know you you basically have a thief and a liar mm. that you're working with that's supposed to be your partner and 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 yeah that that's a horrifying you know that that's a horrifying feeling and I had it and that that's when I I lost the most money at one time in that business failure and it was 18 months of just living hell so I think it, you know having that happen fairly early on you know definitely made me you know, very, very cautious going forward. My partnerships agreements, I have the casting vote on any partnership agreement. Profit can be split, mm. but I, I have the voting shares in any situation. Yeah, very nice. I don't Maintaining have buy, control. Right. And if I, if you leave the partnership because I don't ask for any money coming in because I, money's not what I need from you, mm. you don't get anything. So if you mm. leave, you can make a lot of money when you're with me, but if you walk away, I'm not giving you a dime and I got a no compete agreement and whatever. So I've, I've learned from that, you know, from that mistake. In, in that example there, did it affect you personally? Cause I know for me, um, there's been a couple of times where it hasn't worked out and, and I've, it's, it's, I go and cry in the corner in the pillow, in my pillow, you know, in the corner, I'm kind of like, you know what, this, why, why am I bothering? Like, what's the point of it all? And you know, I recover quickly, you know, and yeah sort of you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and, yeah. and you go again. But there's been a couple of did times. You partner, did you partner with friends? Uh, no. Just oh, yeah, because that's normally what – I don't do that. That's mm-hmm. the one thing. I don't partner with friends. I keep friendships as friendships, family as family. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've had great staff leave me, but, you know, and, and I had the, the partner that I bought the painting company from – 
in 2008 when the economy collapsed, he, he walked in January. I told him we were cutting back our pay. Obviously, that's when the market collapsed. Mm. And then the next day, he told me he was moving to Florida and he was done. So, yeah, that, that was, you know, I think back now, he kind of jarred it now that I think about it. You know, I'm thinking that started really good. But now that I think back, it really didn't end that great. You mm. know, the second we hit the biggest hurdle, he split. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just frustrating because you, you put so much time and effort into a relationship and, you know, you put your heart and soul into things and, you know, people just say, oh, well, it's just business, you know, get over it. It's business. I went to lunch with him Monday through Friday. I probably, I talked to him more than my wife for crying out loud. So yeah, yeah. You know, it, it does, when, uh, you know, so anybody that you have a relationship with and you have a, you know, you're working towards an objective, being, whether it's team and, and a business is a team thing, you know, look at sports. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's not very fun when it sucks and it ends and it, and they never, even if they end good, they don't end good. Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sean, uh, thank you for sharing your little insights there. It's a, a kind of a little bit fun to reflect back on it because in some ways your body doesn't remember pain, right? When I fell down and broke yeah. my arm, it hurt, but I can't really remember what it felt like. It's the same as a business relationship when it ended badly, that really sucked that I can't really remember. So it doesn't matter. I'm just going to move on and, and keep moving forward any, any way in spite of it all. Now you've written a, uh, a couple of books there. You've written, yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a nice little free download there on your website that we've got. Maybe yeah. tell the audience about that one and let's talk about your books and, and why you yeah. wrote them and what's, what's that all about? Yes. I wrote the first book I wrote in 2013 called the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success, because I had businesses that had done really well and I've seen a lot of businesses not do well. And I, I just started writing down what I what I wish I would have known maybe when I started a business, what I had done really, really good, and just kind of looked at the lessons I learned. And I came up with like eight unbreakable rules that if, if you follow these, and one of them's on partnering, you, you can do really, really well. And if you, if you violate these rules, you're probably not going to have a successful business. And that ended up being a very successful book and, and still does really well. And then I wanted to turn that into a fictional tale because fictional tales are really popular. Yeah. So then I, I wrote the greatest entrepreneur in the world and basically took those eight rules and turned them into a fictional business. And, and, and the story plays itself out as each time he applies one of those rules, the company keeps growing and gets stronger and stronger. And then recently uh, my son was starting a business and my effort to kind of help him with a business plan, I kind of was, like I went on and bought the first page of Amazon. I started just buying like one business plan book and it was worse than the next one. So I'd buy the next one. I'd buy the next one. And literally behind me, I have the entire first page of Amazon right there. And they were, one was worse than the next. And the, the problem that I found is, is that they were like 350 pages. And I went to grad school and I never read 350 pages. I mean, it was like mind numbing how they made something that shouldn't be that hard. I mean, Oprah Winfrey did her business plan on a napkin. Mm. Southwest Airlines was on a napkin. I mean, you know, the basic concept of it. So I, I thought that they were really exhaustive and not very good. The biggest problem I have is, is that Johnny starts a business, chapter one, and in chapter 15, it always works. Mm -hmm. Like Johnny's business never gets tested. It's He makes enough money, so they do this financial forecast where he's paying all his bills, and it's a fantasy. So my business plan, crushes you because I, if I talk you out of a business, like if I expose a weakness and you go, Hey, I, I really need to think about this before I do it. I'm just as happy because mm. I saved you money. So I try to hit you with 25 questions that really will 
if you get to 25, then you got a business that you're ready to launch. And yeah. so, yeah, so, we, you know, when the virus happened, I put it on the site for free with the templates. You can type out your business plan and that's at, you know, seancastrina.com. There's no catches there. You just put your name in, boom, you have it in like five seconds. So it's, it's, it's a really, it's, you know, it's 151 pages. It's not one of those 30 page eBooks. I put a bonus chapter and actually two bonus chapters. I did one on how to pitch your idea to investors. Mm-hmm. And then I did a chapter on how to be a great entrepreneur. I'm like, you know, it's okay that you have a business plan, but if you're lazy and you don't know how to focus and you don't know how to be resilient and you don't know how to recruit a team, you don't have any leadership skills, your business is not going to be that great. So I wanted to, at the end, really kind of say, you, you really need to work on these things. Okay. You're starting a business, but while you're working on the business, you really need to work on yourself because if, if you're really good in these fundamental you know, success qualities, you have a much greater chance of, of your business succeeding. Yeah, fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're wanting to grab a copy of that free download, just take a little peek at your phone and the link is right there in the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down and it's right there in the notes for you as well. So you're not gonna have to go poking around in Google for it. Sean, was writing a book something that was always on the horizon for you? Or was that, were you, were you like- Totally a, an accident. I don't even, I, I delegate signing a birthday card to my wife. <laughs> but I was on a beach vacation with my roommates from college. I always rent a beach house every year and about, 25 of us with all the kids we go there and and I just had a legal pad and I just started writing down like one sentence things that I learned in business like better the devil you know than the devil you don't know I'd rather have 50% of a lot than 100% of a little you know I have a my staff calls them you know they're Seanisms you know we don't hire sevens like there's no such thing as a seven and no sevens they're they're either an eight or a six yep um you know um cash is like oxygen I've never regretted the customer I didn't take on, only the one I did. You know, so I have all those little fire fast. Mm. You know, if you think you're going to do, you know, don't ever put off to tomorrow what you should do today. I had about a hundred of them. And then when I kind of broke them up into the unbreakable rules, I was like, I got to write this, Mm. you know, but it never, I never thought I would write. And then what I did is I get up every morning and I would have that one sentence. And so I would write like two or three paragraphs. That was it. So it would take me like 10 or 15 minutes. And then the next day I would type out, I, I, before I'd go to, you know, the next day I already have that one sentence at the top of the page. And then I'd write that. And then I put the next sentence on mm. the top of the page. So every morning I woke up, I had, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And then I could do the story and what I learned from it and all that. And the next thing I know, I'm three books in. <laughs> and I got a fourth one that'll be coming out in the next, you know, six months. And it's, it's a big one. Have you got so, a title? Yeah, developing the entrepreneur within 365 daily habits, strategies, and lessons learned. So it's just like for my son, he's an entrepreneur now. Like, so every day I give him a piece of advice. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like every day I give you something that you, you, you're really going to be glad you learned. If you're, if you're under the age of 35, you don't know 99% of everything in this book. And I speak at some of the, you know, the best colleges in America on business. So I just, I, and I do it in just one page formats. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's like hiring, you know, where I, where I go in that, like you don't hire sevens. Okay. If you're interviewing somebody, you know, seven means they're average, but deep down, you know, if they're a six, <laughs> you want them to be a seven, but you know, they're a six <laughs> or in, so don't hire them. They mm. need to be a clear eight, 
a clear eight is somebody who's going to bring value from day one to the team. So it was stuff like that that I did, like, you know, marketing advice, you know, like I buy Super Bowl ads, you know, how do I negotiate that? There's a way, you know, we do regional ads, like how I, like advertising, this is like one of my secrets was like advertising never improves. It either works in the first 30 days or it never works. The biggest gimmick going is your, your marketer who's telling you, you got to trust it. You got to give it time. That is the biggest hunk of BS ever. It works or it doesn't work, mm. period. I will bet my life on that. Okay. That's just the, so I have all these lessons over the years that I just wanted to put in a book. So every day it's kind of like John Maxwell, you know, writes on leadership. He has a book called the minute um, uh, Maxwell reader. Mm. And every day he kind of shares the leadership lesson. This is an entrepreneurial lesson every single day. So I, it's been edited right now. They're just kind of laying it out and, and all that. And so we're probably going to get that out in November. I love it. Can't, uh, can't wait to get a copy of that and, and to see that as well. Make sure when you do launch that, you reach back yeah. out to me and I'll share that with my audience and, yeah. uh, and share that with my ecosystem for you as well. It'd be a pleasure to do that. You know, when I, when I was doing a little bit of research for this interview prior, I, I saw the books and I saw the titles of the books and I was like, awesome, I get to talk to an author because it's one of my favorite yeah. things um, to do on this podcast and stuff. But I, I found myself drawn into the titles of the thing and then reading the first couple of pages thinking, you know, after same thing for me, you know, since 2002 when I got out of the military, I kind of had businesses on and off. I had a few jobs in between and stuff as well. But predominantly, I've been trying to work for myself and be in my own business for that vast amount of time, which I've done pretty successfully for about the last 15 years. And I found myself thinking, I should read this thing about startups. And I should read this about seven pillars. And I should read these stories. So it was really interesting how I was still attracted to it, even though I have my own business, it does pretty well. And now I've been there, I'm like, what does he know that I'm missing like i bet yeah, you they look at all yeah look at all these books behind me i had my carpenter had three more shelves so <laughs> i i just think you know there's you know the ceos there's one quality of ceos i always everybody gets upset how much money ceos make but there's one quality they have the average ceo of a company of a major fortune 500 company reads 60 books a year yeah yeah yeah. So I always think there's no downside of reading. Absolutely. There's always something to learn, always something to new to learn about that as well, which is, is really cool. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask you about your podcast as well and yeah. give you the opportunity to give that a plug because there's nothing yeah. I like more than interviewing authors and podcasters because uh, they make for great guests as well. But you've got uh, the 10 minute entrepreneur um, yeah. with Sean Castorina. Tell us about that. Yeah. What, what's that all yeah. about? Well, because I have a lot of business partners and, and I, I find it's very hard for us to all get together at the same time. And so they were kind of like, Sean, why don't you just like create a, like a, a, a you know, a, a you know, yeah, just do it on memo, you know, audio thing for it. And so I was like, well, okay. And I'm always teaching. I'm mm -hmm. always teaching. When my, I'm always sharing with them how to do something maybe a little bit better. So that's kind of how the 10 minute format came out. And then you know, it just keeps getting pot more popular, you know, on Monday, Monday, what is it? Monday and Friday, I teach a lesson. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I interview a, an entrepreneur and I've interviewed some, in, literally in 24 hours last week, I interviewed like Merle Hodge of ESPN Sports. I interviewed the guy who did Bar Rescue and a New York Times bestselling author. And then I had like in 24 hours, like three monster guests. So on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, yeah, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I have a, a guest who's an, you know, who can bring value to the podcast. Thursdays, I answer questions that people send in. On Saturdays, I do a mentoring podcast, like when I bring on a, an intern or like, I just share with them like, you know, qualities they need to have books they might want to read, books I've read. So I do that on Saturday mornings. 
Remember, everything's like 10 minutes. The interviews sometimes go a little bit longer. And then on Sunday, I repeat a bonus podcast, something that's already been played. And so that way somebody gets something every day. And that little 10 minutes, people like it. It's, you know, the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast and we get right to it. You know, there's no, you know, once I start, you know, it's, I'm slicing off steak. steak. I like teaching. Yep. That's my favorite thing. That's what I would do for free. Teaching people is, is just what I enjoy doing. And, and so that's why we got the podcast. And it's, if you want to, you know, if you're thinking about starting a business or you have a business, it will absolutely, and I mean this because going to speak at colleges, at the end of a year, you cannot imagine when you have 365 lessons mm. that I teach you. Because what I do is I write out what I want you to learn in a year. So I kind of lay out a curriculum that, so you don't realize it, but I know what I'm doing. I got the whiteboard over here. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make sure that you get a marketing lesson, how to partner, how to do a partnership agreement. You know, what do you do with a disgruntled client? What do you do when you get sued? What do you do? You know, how do you hire a lawyer? All these things, you know, a P&L statement, you know, everything I give you a piece of it. Every, every day. And, and you will, a year later, you'll be a better entrepreneur. You'll definitely be a better business owner. I don't care if you've owned a business for 30 years. Yeah. Fantastic. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, just take a little peek at your phone and the link to Sean's podcast is right there. And if you're watching on YouTube, it's just right down below there in the show notes. Tell me, was that something that was always on the horizon for you teaching and writing books that was never in your sphere of influence? Never. None of it. None of all of it. All of it happened by accident. You know, when you start doing it and people start saying how much it helped them, then you're like, then I kind of, you know, I was like, all right, what, what am I, what am I, what do I want to do? And I was like, you know what? I want to equip, encourage, and educate entrepreneurs. Beautiful. Like I just made a one sentence mission statement for me personally. Now in business, I want to make money. Mm. So, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm a true capitalist and I have no apologies for it. Money's not everything, but it's in the top five. Um, so when I go to, when I, when I'm in business, I want to satisfy my customers, employ people and make money. But when I'm not doing that, I want to teach other people because entrepreneurship is a gift. When you have it, when you can start a business and you can support yourself, even if it's just you, but as it grows, nothing, there's no occupation like being an entrepreneur, the flexibility, you know, the income potential, you don't ever, you know, you don't ever, you don't get laid off. You don't get downsized at 60. Um, you, You know, there's just so many things about it that makes it great. Even if you're a part-time entrepreneur, you know, that's okay. So I I think there's no doubt. There's just everybody should be an entrepreneur in some way or at least have entrepreneurial thinking. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's absolutely uh, true that it's, you know, the the world is full of different professions that you can do. You know, you want to go be a doctor or a lawyer. That's a very necessary profession in the world as well. But there's always a little streak of creativity inside of people that want to go and do things for themselves. Do you have some success stories that really stand out in your mind? Like you saw somebody go from a standing start of nothing and you've taken them along a journey that makes you just go, wow, I'm so proud of that person. And I can't believe they listened to me and they did all those things. Look at the result. What a cool thing. It is like all my partners, which are neat. And one day I'm going to tape all their testimony but like just to get I'm gonna take you through a few of my partners and like where I met him where so that person that I bought his painting company for I mean that was a struggling painting company he probably made 25,000 a year when I met him he was separated from his wife when he when I when he left when you know eight years later when he moved on he was in a good marriage 
He was making a hundred thousand dollars a year. He owned a house. When I met him, he was bankrupt. Yeah. Still talk to him to this day. We're great friends. He would do anything in the world for me. Uh, I, another one of my business partner, he was getting ready to retire. Okay. He worked at a, at a, a, um, building supply store in our town and he ran their, their cabinet division. And I remember I walked in on a Wednesday and he said, Hey, Sean, I'm Friday's my last day. I said, well, let me take you to lunch. Needless to say, he didn't retire because on Monday he started a business with me. We started a kitchen remodeling company. We print money. And he said in his testimony, he goes, I work less than I've ever worked in my life. In my life. I make more money than I've ever made in my life. Yeah. And I will never retire. That's another one of my part. I have another guy I got laid off from a job he had for 20 years. It was an engineer. I mean, laid off overnight. Um, he partnered with me in one of my companies. Now, you know, he'll probably make a quarter of a million dollars. I, I, I took another guy who wanted to come work for me for $850 a week. I said, listen, why don't you partner with me? I'll pay you your 850 just to pay your bills, but we're going to make a lot more money than that. He made over a quarter of a million dollars last year. So I, all my partners, they're the ones I get excited about and they're kind of yeah. my um, incubator. Yeah. yeah. And I have a lot, of, I have other ones like that, that I've done. So yeah, I, you know, I love finding talent and then bring them into my company. I just started a digital marketing company. This is a great story. 18 months ago, it's called Gig Strategic. I, I come up with all the names for my companies and then I partner with really smart people. Mm -hmm. But you can Google, you know, Gig Strategic. You'll see James doing a video on the front of it. But I met him like three years ago. I got um, a radio station tried to sell me digital marketing because they're trying to expand their platforms. So they bring in their sales team to meet with me. And they come to my conference room. They're pitching me. You know, they got the suits on there, the whole bit. At the end of the meeting, the only card I kept was this guy, James's, smartest guy at the meeting, quiet, but just really very laid it out what he would do. I called him the next day. I said, James, I said, I'm going to hire you guys to do my digital marketing because I didn't really understand it at the time. And I said, but you got to meet with me every month in my office for 15 minutes. I don't want emails. I want you to explain to me what I spent, mm. what was the return on my investment. You got to, I want to know every 15 minutes. It's all, you got to be able to communicate in 15 minutes. He goes, sure, I can do that for you. And when we hung up, before we hung up, I said, James, I just want to let you know, you're either going to be an employee of mine at some point, or we're going to partner in business. <laughs> and he goes, you know, he kind of laughed it off. Like, like you're crazy. Well, he ended up doing my digital marketing for my company. He was incredible. I remember May of that year, like five months in, he was doing unbelievable. I said to him, I said, James, have you, has you ever taken your family to Disney world? He goes, no, you know, I'd love to, but not, we haven't yet. So great. I'd like to pay for y'all to go to Disney world. He goes, well, why, why would you do that? I go, because I already told you, you're going to be an employee or a partner. And I'm just putting my down payment down because that's how confident <laughs> I am it's going to happen. Well, a year and a half later, uh, we partnered in, in, in Gig Strategic and, and we are just doing unbelie unbelievable. It's an incredible company. Um, so that just kind of, I, I look for people like James's. And, and that's what I'm pretty good at. And I have a lot of James's stories like that. The people that in my everyday life I bump into and they're in a season of transition or I see talent or something. And then I, I don't want to be, an, I don't want them to be an employee. Employees are not all in. I want yeah. partners. Yeah. So I want them to be a partner with, I want them to be as worried about a problem at three in the morning as I am. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, an employee will never quite be that worried.
Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And, and you do a really good job there of articulating um, the human connection and yeah. just how fulfilling that is to see people succeed like that. Because I'm listening to that smiling as, as you're explaining that because I'm feeling the same thing for some of the people that I've done in my sphere of influence as well. So well done Fine. and kudos to you for, for sharing the entrepreneurial love around like that and, and being so giving with everything that you know. So that's a really important trait and, and one you should be very proud of. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, Sean, as we, uh, as we close out the podcast here, I, I just wanted to say thank you again for coming on the Go All In show and sharing your views of the world and, and your opinions on the Go All In mindset and, and what you need to do to break through and to succeed. So thanks for coming on. And I can't let you leave the show without putting you in the Go All In podcasters hot seat, a little bit of fun to close it out in this crazy time of COVID and lockdowns and not being able to go anywhere. I'm pretty fortunate where I live here in Australia, in Sydney, because uh, I'm about 100 metres from the beach. It's the quintessential Australian <laughs> lifestyle. Um, so I'm very, very lucky. And, and the weather has been great over the last couple of months. So I've been plenty of time in the water, spear fishing and paddleboarding and all that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm used to getting out and about and traveling. Uh, traveling has always been something in my blood. And I'm absolutely itching to go somewhere. Have you got a, a favorite holiday destination that you can share with the audience that maybe we can put on our bucket list that we've never heard of? Yeah, well, you've probably heard of it. So I'm kind of a boring guy, but I love, I love what you have. I love the beach. There's not, that's where I started writing my first beat in my first book. And I ran a beach house on the ocean. There's nothing like that. When you see the ocean, you realize how small you are. <laughs> There's just something about the force of a wave and, and you see that sunrise. And it's just, to me, anytime you can be at an ocean anywhere, that to me, that's the, there's something about a sunrise. 5:30 in the morning, you know, and that and the sun's coming up. There's there's nothing like it. I can think better than any anywhere on the world next to the ocean. So that's would be my favorite place. We're very spoiled for choice here in Sydney. Um, today, as we record, this is Wednesday here in Sydney. But on Sunday, just a couple of days ago, uh, we had a day off, and and my partner said to me, "What do you want to do today? Do you want to go somewhere?" And we had a completely clear schedule. Our daughter was out, so we could go and do whatever we want. And she said, well, why don't we go to Bondi? I was like, oh. And she goes, why don't we go to Manly? And I'm like, oh. And then she's like, why don't we go up to Palm Beach? And all three of these places, these options that she's giving to me are beaches. And they're these beautiful, incredible Australian beaches. You got a tough, you got a tough life there. I, I know. And I was thinking to myself, like, I, I kind of like stopped myself and went, hang on a minute. You know, we can't travel overseas. We can't go anywhere. This, that's a good first, second and third prize that we got yeah, right there within you, sort of an hour. Life is, really, life is really tough for you. <laughs> it's not too bad at all. All right. Next one. What's a, uh, what's a skill you're working on at the moment, Sean, that you haven't quite mastered yet? Yeah. This entire social media and YouTube and everything. It's <laughs> funny. I just hired a YouTube coach to help me transition some of my content to YouTube. So the entire uh, digital space, you know, I own a digital marketing company only because I have James, but just understanding social media and this and all this platform building. So it's definitely a learning curve. And, and so I'm, it's, it, I'm every day I learn something. Do you enjoy and it? Makes it? Me a lot so of people it. You know, I, I, what I'm trying to do is I know what I'm good at. I'm good at creating content and I'm surrounding myself with other people that are putting the content where it needs to be. And, but I just want to kind of understand it a little better and, and it is overwhelming. There's no question. And, and so, you know, but my son who's 19 has been very patient with me and, and it helps me every day. But yeah, I think that is just learning this platform building space is, is overwhelming. 
Yeah, fantastic. It's, uh, I don't think you're uh, Robinson Crusoe on an island there by yourself. There's plenty of people yeah. that are in that remit as well, me included, because it's a, an ever-evolving thing. Tell me, what's the uh, last one for the hot seat? What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Yeah, great piece of advice one time. I was in my gym working out, and it's a big gym. It's like one of the top 15 gyms in the United States of America. If you know like The Rock on the movies, The Rock, Dwayne mm-hmm. Johnson, he worked out there. I live in a great city, personally. And um, so I, the owner of the gym, I knew this guy. He was an older gentleman. I, I, he was getting ready to come onto a machine that I was on, and we kind of made eye contact. And I was going through a legal battle with a former employee that was trying to sue me for a great deal of money for wrongful termination. What it is, is that um, somebody called me for a reference and I didn't give a good reference and somehow they, you know, so it was turning into a big thing. I I thought you'd tell the truth, but evidently (laughs) you can't do that. And I remember saying to him, I said, you know, I was in, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm totally overwhelmed by this. Mm. And I said to him, you know, I said, I gave his name. I said, Phil, can I ask you a question? And he's just like, yeah, sure. I said, I've got a legal problem and I'm not quite sure how to fix it. And I am overwhelmed by it. And he says, well, what's the problem? I told him it. He goes, who's your attorney? And I told him the name of my attorney. He goes, yeah. I said, I, the problem is you hired a family doctor to handle cancer. Mm. He goes, you need to hire somebody who, when your opponent gets, sees their letterhead, they immediately start sweating. (laughs) And he said, so he goes, I recommend you call this attorney, this attorney that I did that. And the matter was over within 30 days. So I learned that, you know, when you have a big problem, hire people that are proven professionals at that problem. Yeah. If you got an accounting issue, have the best CPA you can get in front of. If you got an audit, have the very best people defending you. If you have a legal issue, hire very good people. So that, that was the best, best advice I, I've gotten in business, I think. I love it. Fantastic story as well. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, Son. That's been a whole bunch of fun, mate. I really appreciate it. If people want to connect with you and grab a copy of your books, what's the best way to do that? Just go to seancastorina.com. So simple. Or go to Amazon. <laughs> if you want a book, go to Amazon. Uh, but if you go on my site, it'll kind of direct you. There's so many free res- resources there, but I encourage you, the podcast is incredible. It is 10 minutes that will absolutely shape your, change your life if you have any interest in anything entrepreneurial. Fantastic. Again, make sure you just have a little peek at your phone as you're listening in here as we close out the show and go ahead and visit Sean's website. And don't forget to follow him over on his social media as well. Sean, I wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting shot, a bit of parting wisdom from Sean Castorina. What do you got for us, mate? Yeah, uh, the great advice I learned. Um, I heard somebody talking. They were talking to Tim Ferriss, who wrote the Four Hour Work Week and the Four Hour Body, and they were like, "Tim, what do you do every day?" He goes, "My day's kind of boring." He said, "I get up, I drink some tea, and I go take a walk, and I try to determine what's the one big domino I got to knock down. What's the one thing that if I knock this down, it's going to knock down all these other dominoes?" He said, "It may take me thirty days." Mm to figure out what that one domino is. But once I find it, then I put all my focus on that one domino. And that's my thing right now. I find the one thing that has the greatest payoff in my life for something I'm working on. And that's, I, I don't, my eyes, my focus is totally on it. 
stay away from not doing 50 things. Just focus on the one thing that's going to have the greatest payoff. I love it. Absolutely fantastic advice and great wisdom there as well. Sean, thank you again for coming on the show, mate. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to speaking with you again soon. It's bye for now. Great. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Sean, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to his websites and socials are right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down and all of the details are right there in the show notes as well. And while you're there checking out those links, make sure you check out the Go All In Masterclass. The link is right there. And if you uh, need that as you're listening, it's goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. So pop on over there, check that out and find out some more there. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Go All In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. 